Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. I'm having so much more fun now. I have let them show me how to live their way. This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 220. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way-out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. Fifty-two pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail. Made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to the slow poisoner at gmail.com that's the slow poisoner at gmail.com while supplies last you remember them from your childhood half for the friendly ghost richie rich hot stuff baby hooey sad sack and little audrey you read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. The revised second edition of my Monkey's Book with Michael A. Ventrella, called Long Title, stars of Walt Disney Productions, and Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, are my latest books out now. Unconditionally Mad and not just Happy Together, the Turtles book, are in production. I'm also working on my TV Cartoons at Time Forgot book, plus articles on cancelled Harvey titles, and making contributions to Freaky Magazine. On today's show, we have a guest who is an expert on all things Popeye. This is the 90th anniversary of Popeye's entry into animation, so here he is, Fred Grandinetti. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast, and today I have... 
Popeye fan aficionado, <laughs> Fred Grandinetti. How are you, sir? Ahoy there! Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't pull a muscle there, Popeye. <laughs> I envy Jack Mercer for doing that for 45 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the inevitable question, even though I kind of know, but, you know, our listeners may not, um, how and when did you become such a fan of Popeye? My earliest memory, as my mother told me, is when I was three years old and I was getting my tonsils out, and her sister Kay loved the color red, <laughs> so she got me an olive oil doll that had the red top and the uh, blue blouse. It was a gun doll, and that's her earliest memory. Uh, my early memory before that is my father and I sitting down with a piece of paper, and I was trying to draw Popeye, and I was drawing three circles. And one circle had a sailor's hat, and one circle had a pipe, and one circle was a face. And my father said, why don't you combine those three circles and see if you can actually make a face out of it? And I did. So those are my two earliest memories. And, of course, I remember reading him in the newspapers and um, the record advertiser when I was young and uh, watching him on uh, television. I always liked cartoon characters with power sources, and, of course, Popeye had a spinach. And when I was a kid, I really wasn't a fan of the cartoons that were no spinach. But now as an adult, I appreciate the variety more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, let's uh, say this before we get too far along. I mean, part of the reason I'm talking to you is because uh, it is Popeye's 90th anniversary, but not 90th anniversary on the comic strip. It's 90th nope. anniversary in animation. So explain, right. explain that. Well, on July 14th, 1933, uh, Popeye first danced the hula with Betty Boop in one of her cartoons, of course, by the Fleischer Studios, and this was their way to test to see if Popeye could carry his own cartoon series. Mm -hmm. And the Betty Boop film obviously was a huge success, and Popeye's own series began about three months later, which followed were uh, you know, 234 theatrical cartoons. It was Paramount Pictures' most successful animated short subject series, and when those cartoons premiered on television in 1956, I mean, the ratings just hit the roof, <laughs> and there was Popeye mania all over the place, and that led to three other um, cartoon series for television. So all total, there were a little over 500 Popeye cartoons, you know, in syndication. Which I believe is like, until things like The Simpsons, which we're not going to count that, was like a... Well, you know, I don't, I don't count that because that's a half-hour series. Yeah, Popeye yeah. Was, an, was a short subject series. So right. there were actually, you know, two different things. And But still, Popeye still holds the record of being the longest-running theatrical okay. cartoon short subject series for theaters. But also, isn't it the uh, most episodes of a single character or a continuous... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, even, yeah. yeah even, for, even for television. You know, it's funny because years ago, I just picked up this book... It was about comic book conventions, and there was an article on Popeye in there, and there was just one paragraph said that over the past 32 years, or maybe 34 at that time, 454 Popeye cartoons have been produced. And I saw that number back then, yeah. and I said, I said, why hasn't anybody written about this? And that's when I started my writing career on Popeye, just to get that information out, mm -hmm. that, wow, there's a lot of Popeye cartoons yeah. out there. <laughs> now, I have two of your books, but you've written... Is it four books or five? I think it's six. 
six. Oh, okay. Um, but, but I'll tell you, I enjoy writing articles more. I've been writing articles on Popeye since 1983 for newspapers, films, mm -hmm. magazines, and the Internet. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I like writing them for the Internet is because when you see a screw-up, you can contact them and say, that shouldn't be an A, that should be a C, and they'll change it for you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, before we go any further, you've helped me a couple times at least, uh, writing a couple articles for Back Issue magazine, so I appreciate oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yep. And, you know, so you're like one of the two go-to people, you know, whenever, you know, I get an assignment like that. I mean, I know my Popeye. I'm like you. I, I, I've been a Popeye fan since very young, you know. It's like, um, probably saw the cart animated cartoons before I saw the newspaper strip. But, you know, uh, it's just the nature of the beast of seeing things on television, you know, so instantaneous, you know. But, you know, I actually saw, I remember seeing the TV cartoons from the 60s first on a show called Popeye and the Three Stooges. It was run in Rhode Island oh. before my brother and I went to school. And they ran the TV cartoons, but when they ran the Three Stooges, they ran a Three Stooges theatrical short followed by a theatrical Popeye. And that's how I got introduced to the black and whites and the famous studio cartoons. Mm. Now, uh, in my case, uh, it seemed like they showed, you know, those 1960s uh Cartoons made for television, which we'll talk about in a bit. And they tended to show just the famous studio's color cartoons, and they rarely showed the black and white ones. You know, I was growing up in Northern California at the time. And, uh, you know, I remember the book, and I'm sure you're aware of it, The Fleischer Story by Leslie Cabarga. Oh, yeah. And it, ha it has the phrase... If if a Popeye cartoon doesn't have these doors, don't watch it. <laughs> and I'm like, none of them have the doors. Wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> it's, it's funny you should say that because in, in Boston, Massachusetts, um, we had a neighboring community. It was New Hampshire, and they used to run the Uncle Gus show. And that was, you know, Uncle Gus with a desk, and he had kids in the audience. Mm -hmm. And he ran the theatrical cartoons, and he ran the black and white and colors right up until the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Then my local affiliate, Channel 56, picked up the black and whites, and my Channel 38 picked up the black and whites and theatricals. And I noticed maybe towards the mid-1980s, um, they just strictly ran the famous studio cartoons. And then, of course, Ted Turner got his hands on the black and whites and yeah. painted them. <laughs> and I think that's when I started seeing the black and whites in the days before home video of them. Uh -huh. uh, because, you know, I'm talking early 70s when I saw only the color cartoons. So, you know. <laughs> and uh, We all have our favorites. That's why that comment about, you know, if it doesn't have a ship door. Because, you know, it's funny because somebody made a comment on Facebook about that saying, you know, everything after the Fleischer is, is trite. And I responded to that. And I said, no, you really have to judge each cartoon on its own individual merits. You can't make a blanket statement like that. And I still strongly feel that way. I have favorite famous studio cartoons. Mm -hmm. I have favorite 60s cartoons and even the all-new Popeye Hour. For mm -hmm. the limitations that they had without having to do violence, that show was popular. It stayed on the air for five years. Yeah. And there were over 100 more Popeye cartoons made. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are very good. Yeah. I mean, I used to watch those, too. Admittedly, it isn't my favorite. Um, and I probably am more like, I, I, I like the black and white ones. I like the color famous. And I like the TV, the King Features TV ones. And I think it's because that's what I grew up with. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know Jack Mercer continued to do the voice for the, uh, the all-new Popeye R. But yeah. he definitely did the voice, at least for most of the Fleischers and the later ones. 
And so I got accustomed to hearing Mae Questel and Jack Mercer and, you know, eventually Jackson Beck. I know he wasn't the original Brutus or Bluto or whatever you want to call him, but, yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, you mentioned your book, so um, let's go through which one. Which one did you write first? Uh, I wrote a book called Popeye the Collectible, which was a collectible from 1950s to 1990s. Mm -hmm. And th then I did a book um, called Popeye Illustrated Cultural History for McFarland. Uh, the first one was one from Krause Publications. The second one was from McFarland. Mm -hmm. And then a company in France picked up um, the French version of Illustrated History, and they did a nice color version in um, France. Then I uh, updated the Illustrated History. Then I did my book on Jack Mercer. Okay. And um, that, my most recent one was came out last year, which was on the um, the TV cartoons. Okay. So that's what I have. I have the Jack Mercer one, and I have the TV cartoons. Um, I have seen the uh, Popeye the Collectible one. I think the library used to have that one. And, uh, <laughs> they use it to wash the floors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, now you've explained it because, see, that's what I was saying. Do you have four books, five books, or six books? Well, uh, in a certain way, it might be four books just because you revised one and it also turned into a French book. So, uh -huh. yeah, that, that that makes sense now. So, But <laughs> I, I never somehow... Uh, got my hands on that one. I was looking at it. I was like, how come I don't have this one? So I'll probably be ordering that one soon. So anyway. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I could use the extra 60 cents. Right? <laughs> there we go. But um, let's talk about the two I have because I read through them and enjoyed them immensely. So I have He Am What He Am, Jack Mercer, The Voice of Popeye. Now, somebody had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jack Mercer, we're talking about the 90th anniversary. Jack Mercer wasn't the original voice of Popeye. No. So, no. Um, how did that uh, come? Well, uh, tell me the story of how Billy Costello got the voice and then well, how Jack was, Mercer well, got it. He was already, um, he was Gus Gorilla in the Betty Boop um, radio series. Okay. So he was, and he, he also did voices in the early Fleischer cartoon. So, he was on staff. So, naturally, um, with the gruff voice. And all the Fleischers picked him to be the original voice of Popeye. And if you watch those early cartoons, they never stop moving. I was just watching one <laughs> um, on Popeye on the TV, uh, the, uh, the one where they go ice skating, mm -hmm. the black and white one, season greetings. And, you know, Popeye and of in the opening scene, they just keep moving and moving and moving. They just never stop. And I thought that Costello's rendition of Popeye for those early cartoons was appropriate, the way the characters were kind of like rough, rough-edged at that time. Um, but success went to his head. Mm. And he wanted he wanted a vacation, you know, during production. And so out the door, <laughs> Jack Mercer was an artist on the staff, and he used to do a Popeye impersonation, you know, while he was doodling a drawing. And um, one of the Fleischer brothers overheard him, and they, you know, they hired him to be the voice of Popeye. Mm. Now, did Jack do any other voices prior to that time? Well, you know, I know he. I don't know about prior, but yeah. I know if you. Watch the Fleischer cartoons. They're incidental characters. More than likely, it's Jack Mercer. The famous studio cartoons, you know, incidental characters, he did He did those. Of course, he did, you know, later on, Poop the Pappy, right. Popeye's Nephews, and the TV cartoons, he did, you know, Wimpy. Um, so he was very, very versatile, but he also doesn't get credit for his writing. He wrote a great number of Popeye cartoons. He wrote, wrote a great number of cartoons for famous studios and later Paramount Cartoon Studios. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, the reason why I wrote that book is I was corresponding with his wife, Virginia, at that time. And I told her what I wanted to do because she had read some of the articles I had, had written on Jack Mercer. 
so that we'll publish the magazines like Film Facts. And I said, can you send me any material on him? Because there was virtually nothing out there. Mm -hmm. He sent me a symbol. <laughs> and I, basic, I basically had to, you know, go from there. I remember watching a lot of cartoons from Paramount and just keeping my ear on the voices saying, is this Jack? Is that Jack? No, that's not Jack. That's Jackson. That's me. You know, that's, mm -hmm. you know that, that, that was very, very difficult. But after a while, you get to pick up, you know, the inflection in his voice and say, yeah, that's Jack, you know. Right. Now, once he became the voice, I mean, I've read the book, but I'm doing this for the benefit of the listeners. So once he became the voice, he's pretty much the voice the rest of the time. But uh, there's a few times he left. And why, why was that? Well, he uh, was serving in World War II. Okay. And so, you know, he came back and did it when he could. But when he was needed, he wasn't. And I think that's when Harry Welch and a few other fill-in-the-blanks, you know, mm -hmm. did his voice. I know Mae Costell says she did um, the voices for one of the cartoons. Um, that's the film where Popeye and Bluto are on the island for men, and uh, all the world comes on the island, and all of a sudden, you know, they want to court her, even though they swore off women. And at the end of the cartoon, all the world is rescued off the island by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's right, brother me, pal. You know, a woman is like an appendix. She's something a man is better off without. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so May says she did that one, and I believe she did. But, um, yeah, then he came back. Mm -hmm. And he was he was Popeye for the um, the rest of the series until actually his passing in 1984. The last thing he did was a video game commercial with Mae Questel on Jackson Beck. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Just, oh, okay. just look it up. It's there. <laughs> okay, because I thought the, the all-new Popeye hour was the last thing he did, but I guess not. No, he did a couple of commercials, yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. And... Um, Let's see. I think May continued voicing. Her her last voice work was probably Who Framed Roger Rabbit, although she did uh, Betty Boop, right? Yeah. 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 And then, I don't know what Jackson Beck's last uh, voice role, maybe some... Uh, pizza, pizza. pizza I yeah, know. I was going to say some Joe. pizza commercials or something. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was versatile. But he did a lot of voiceovers and narration. It's like, you know, it's like when I figured out who he was, and I don't know how versed you are in everything he did, but, you know, it's like the Woody Allen movie, Take the Money and Run. He does the narration. I go, oh, my God, it's Brutus. <laughs> I have to tell you a very nice story about Jackson Beck. I do a cable access series called Drawing with Fred. I've been doing it for 30 years. Okay. It's been on Watertown and a few other stations. And I did a show where I taught the audience how to draw Brutus. So I wrote to him, and I sent him a blank cassette tape, and I sent him, like, $20, and I asked him if he could just do a little introduction to this particular show. He did it. He sent me back the cassette tape and sent me back the money. And wow. that was really, really classy, and I just I thanked him all over the place because I really think that if you asked a performer today to do the same thing, you probably have to give them a heck of a lot more than $20, and they want more, and they, and they just wouldn't be as generous with their time. What a real sweetheart of a guy he was wow <laughs> uh well that begs the question um you at least had contact with him did you ever meet him or any of the you other know, voice people no but as you know what i know something i also asked him one time i said this bluto brutus thing why did the name change because at that time that i contacted him in a letter about that the assumption was Walt Disney wanted the name changed because Bluto sounded too much like Pluto. And mm -hmm. I never bought that. But he, Jackson Beck, wrote me like a couple of sentences, which led me to thoroughly research this, mm -hmm. which led to about six articles that are on the Internet, if anybody wants to read them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, finally figuring out why it was changed, because Bluto 
first appeared in the comic strip by King Features in 1932. Fleischer adapted him to animation in 1933 by Paramount. Let's jump to 1959, and King Features wants to do the TV cartoons. Mm -hmm. They weren't aware of the fact that they created Bluto for the newspaper strip first. Paramount came along and said, he's our character, not yours. King Features didn't do their homework or that the material wasn't available, either one, <laughs> so they changed his name to Brutus. But when the all-know Popeye Arrow came along, you know, all that right stuff was passe, so they called him Bluto again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think in later strips, uh, they kind of had it where, like, he's his cousin or something like that. So well, now there's, there's, yeah. there's a Sunday strip um, done, and the artist who was doing that has uh, Bluto and Brutus as twin brothers. Yeah, but that's actually, what it is. High, high Eisman started that yeah. in the Sunday strip. You know, and the funny thing about that is I wrote to High Eisman, and I said, you know, Bluto has never appeared in a Sunday strip. Can you put him in a Sunday strip? Hmm. And he did, and it had Olive Oil going to a dance, and Popeye goes, I can't believe my eyes, and Olive Oil says, it's not who you think. This is Bluto, Brutus's twin brother. So that's <laughs> how that started. Mm-hmm. Now, Bluto in the original comics back in 32, was he... I, I've read many of the Seagar stories, but not all of them, and I don't have them memorized, but uh, did uh, he have a significant role in that story, or just it was like so... He, he, he had a significant story in, in the AC, which is where he appeared. And he, I mean, there were daily strips where all it was was Popeye and Bluto brutalizing each other, but he didn't you know, woo olive oil. He was a bloodthirsty pirate who wanted to break Popeye's neck. He wasn't humorous at all. Hmm. But, Popeye, but Popeye defeated him, and then Seagar just cast him off, and that was it. And that's why when it came time to do the uh, TV cartoons, because he wasn't used prominently in the comic strip, they didn't remember mm -hmm. that he originated in the comic strip. But one interesting thing happened. Um, in 1957, when the strip was being drawn by Bella Zaboli and written by Ralph Stein, they brought Bluto back, and he appeared off and on until 1959, when mm. Bud Sagendorf took over. So everyone asked, well, how come he could appear in the strip? And in the comic books at that time that Bud Sagendorf was doing, he went nameless. And I said, the best theory I can come up with is that comic strips have to be done way in advance. Mm -hmm. So probably by the time this issue with Paramount came along, you know, he, he was already being used. Paramount possibly just looked the other way and said, you know, you've done them, published them, you know, but from here on out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't even an issue until they started making the TV cartoons, you know. It's, yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, it was just in the newspaper. Ah, yeah, well, he's in the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not, Who knows? <laughs> it, does, it doesn't seem like people were always as litigious in the past. Although, <laughs> uh, it's interesting how, you know, and I don't want to really delve into the whole Fleischer story, but it's interesting how the Fleischers got kicked out of their own studio and things like that uh, in, in uh, kind of underhanded ways. But uh, yeah, read, the, that was sad. read the Fleischer story. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I have several times over. I love that book. I got that book when I was a teenager, yeah. and that helped me motivate me to become a writer because mm -hmm. I said, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's when I found out that Popeye had the longest run of animated cartoon shorts. I said, somebody's got to put this down. So I did for several years, and I got articles published in a lot of film magazines at that time. We had film magazines. <laughs> um, and eventually, King Features started using it in their own public relations. Yeah. 
Now, you mentioned you uh, hosted, you host, you host in positive and uh, present day terms, your own show. Um, now, what what do you do on that show? Do you sh- do you show Popeye cartoons on there? Or? Of course, of course. Oh, okay, okay. Well, basically, what I do is I introduce the show and I say, okay, today we're going to learn how to draw a cartoon king. And the cartoon king that I will draw is going to be in the next cartoon. So I do the drawing and I show the cartoon. I have some friends of mine who are professional actors. They do original water safety and fitness tips for my show. They're like little segments in between the cartoons. Because I almost drowned when I was a kid in a pool. Mm. And if I had a life jacket on, you know, it wouldn't have terrorized me as much. So I try to make up for that. And so I have these um, friends of mine interact with Popeye and olive oil and, you know, learn how to wear a life jacket. Or I'm a big fan of I Dream of Genie, so I'll have them blink. That life jacket will pop on. I mean, a really creative, corny stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I've been doing it for 30 years, and it's very reminiscent to what I grew up with, you know, with the local kid shows, mm-hmm. minus the big budget. But I wanted to keep that type of um, show alive. You know, I'm often asked when I'm interviewed about my show, why kids today are kind of like screwy. And I, and I tell them, I grew up with Rex Trailer and Major Mud and Bozo the Clown and Willie Whistle, and they always used to tell us, respect your teachers, right. honor your parents, you know, you, you know where I'm getting, you know, make yeah. sure you look both ways before you cross the street. We don't have that today. No. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, kids are a little bit off the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I had Captain Kangaroo, a lot of people did, uh-huh. uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, a yep. little bit of Bozo. <laughs> Um, for a time, I, a Bozo. I was on his show as a kid in 1965 with my brother, oh, wow. and then as an adult in 1990 and 1991. They did a show in Rehoboth, Mass. Oh, wow. and so I was on the live Bozo show. The first episode I with him, I taught the kids how to draw Popeye, obviously. And the second one, I brought my uh, Bozo memorabilia collection on, and we were talking about that. That was a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> Now the Popeye show I remember I, I was I grew up in Northern California but for a few years I lived in Southern California and of course they had the long running Popeye show with Tom Hatton down there uh-huh. in Los uh-huh. Angeles and yep. I think he did that probably about the same amount of time you did yours here uh, maybe you know maybe you've beaten him I don't know it was at least thirty years I know well and, I know he had an, he and he had one in the like the late fifties the mid sixties and then he revived it. And like the late 70s when the Hanna-Barbera cartoons were on CBS. Yeah. And I think he did that for the mid-80s, too. Yeah, he had a nice long run. With yeah, so it was in the 70s that I saw him. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, did you ever meet him or talk with him? No. Oh, okay. No, no. Some, you know, the o- really, the only idol I have ever <laughs> met so far is Barbara Eaton. Who oh, was wow. real sweetheart. And I've sweetheart. never met her. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. Very, very nice. <laughs> I actually, I'm, year, I'm going back years and years, maybe like 1985 or so, Mm-hmm. The president of her fan club asked me to write a book on the history of Genie because he was getting so many questions about it. He didn't want his news magazine to be strictly Genie. He said, can you write the book? So I self-published a book. I had 300 copies made, 100 in each individual box, two of them. Um, I sold to her fan club and a couple of bookstores in Germany and Australia. And the last one, after the bombing, I believe, in Iran in the barracks, I sent um, a box overseas to the troops over there. Hmm. Oh, I'm not aware of that book. <laughs> See, I, 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 I do have a... super, super rare, yeah. and I get requests all the time for it. I've got, like, three left, and they ain't going anywhere. <laughs> ever ever consider republishing it, like, with one of the other publishers? Uh, oh, I, I don't know. My brother keeps saying, yeah, you should do it, you should do it. But, you know, it's, it's, 
it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. And, you know, right now I'm working on another Popeye project. So maybe when that's done, I'll jump on okay. to that. But like I said, she was just, she was a real, real sweetheart. Okay. Because the only books I know, I think it's Steve Cox who wrote one about the yeah, TV she show. Yeah, like that. She and, didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> and then I have her own autobiography. I think she yeah. co-wrote that with uh, another person, if I remember. But, uh... Those are the main ones I'm, I'm aware of. But anyway, <laughs> um, back to Popeye. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, let's see. Uh, when you were doing the, uh, a few more questions about the Jack Mercer book. When you, when you were uh, writing that book, what was probably the biggest revelation you found out about him that kind of surprised you? If anything. Uh, well, his wife had already told me this, but I really learned about him more in depth in the book that he was such a shy, shy man. And, you know, if somebody, if he was out in public and somebody knew who he was and asked him to do the voice, he would. But he wouldn't just go up to a waiter and start, you know, talking like Popeye. And because he was so shy, a lot of people, unfortunately, have taken credit for doing the voice. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Mrs. Marissa was very, very on top of finding these articles and then writing to these magazines, you know, something like People Magazine that would publish an article about some old gent and they picture him as a sailor's hat and a pipe and a squint and he'd go on to say, well, yes, I was a voice of Popeye, Oliver, Wimpy, and Bluto and all of them. You know, I was hired in 1931, even though the cartoons didn't stand until 1933. And these are the type of articles that repeatedly had been published and but nobody refuted them nobody hmm. fact checked it was like okay but one of the reasons why those things existed is because there again jack marissa was very quiet very shy man <laughs> and he didn't boast you know and say hey i was popeye and i started da, 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 da. there was no way to really back check but she was very very on top of that of discrediting um that type of material so i give her a lot of credit for that but that was one of the things that um kind of took me back a little bit that here is this guy who's doing this voice that's virtually heard five to seven, you know, days a week, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes two, three times, four times a day, and uh, he's just very, very quiet about it. Hmm. Is his wife still around, or is she passed? No, she passed away, actually, before I finished the book. She Ooh. knew I was, she was do, I was doing it, but she had passed away. I actually got a phone call from um, one of her neighbors who called me up to tell me, oh, I just want to let you know she had passed oh. last night, and I said, oh, well, thank you, thank you for letting me know, but she was a very, very nice woman, too. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I'm sure it has to do with money, but um, there are a few, like, Popeye record albums out there where, like, Alan Swift and other people do yeah. Popeye's voice. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know how that goes, I'm sure, when you're yeah. a kid. Yeah. Oh, boy, a Popeye record, you put it on, and it's somebody going, Hi, kids, you know, and you go, yeah, who's that? You know? No disrespect to Alan Swift, none whatsoever, but right. he sounded like Popeye with a bad head cold. Yes, I'll agree. And I love now, Alan I know, Swift, I, too. But, do, you remember yeah. the, do you remember Popeye was endorsing Star Orange Juice in the 70s? And those commercials were done by Alan Swift as Popeye. Uh -huh. After 50 years, kids, I got a confession to make. I'm like, who the what the <laughs> That's not Jack Marissa. But then Jack also did do it for commercials. He did it for the Soaky commercial. Yeah. He did it for a commercial where they were drinking, um, endorsing drinking milk and make Lestelle mm -hmm. with olive oil and that. So it's not that he abandoned it, but I think it's what you did say. You know, it's, it's money and how much are we going to spend on the animation and how, you know, we're going to spend the same money or more mm -hmm. on the voice, you know. Okay. I was just wondering if shyness might have had something to do with it, like Alan Swift or anyone else was a little more aggressive and 
saying, I'll do the Popeye voice, and it's like... Sure, right place at the right time, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 every, and you know, people who produce these things, I'm sure they have their favorite memories of Popeye yeah. or their live Popeye host, so who was somebody who happened to know Alan Swift, oh yeah, we'll get him, you know, yeah. or Mercer's not available, we'll just, we'll just have him. Okay. You know, yeah, sure. Now, um... I don't remember because it might have been later on, but uh, I remember there was Quaker Oats uh, Popeye commercials. Did Jack do the voice on that one, or no. is that after no. him? Okay. No, fortunately, fortunately, he had passed by then. You know, this business of can the spinach. I want the apple and cinnamon. Oh, oh my God! But but there again, you know, Popeye has been endorsing various food products. You know, oh, yeah. since the nineteen thirties. I had no objection to him doing that, other than the fact of can the spinach line. Just have him say, I'm going to eat the oatmeal and get strong. Forget about can the spinach. You know, you didn't need that. Right. <laughs> and it also got them into a lot of trouble, too, with the Quaker organization, because, you know, they, they saw the violence in the cartoons and said, that's not what we're all about. <laughs> you know, there, was a, there were a lot of articles um, that came out. You look that up, you go on a newspaperarchive.com and type in Popeye and Quaker oatmeal in 1990s or so, you'll pull up quite a bit of material. They, that's why they eventually had to stop that, because the Quaker organization was really upset. Hmm. I think I remember that, yeah. And then there's a couple other instances where there's Popeye, but I don't think... Anybody did Popeye's voice. One is for the Popeye's fried chicken chain, but that was actually not named after Popeye, or at least Popeye the cartoon. No, it was um, the French Connection, Popeye Doyle. Right, right. But, but, but what happened was um, King Features caught wind of that and said, if you want to use the Popeye name, you know, you're going to have to pay a license for it. So they just figured, well, if they're paying a license for the name, let's just you know, start using him. And so they used him in the box art. Um, and I also did a couple of commercials where Jack Mercer did do the voice of Popeye. Oh, okay. Those are on uh, YouTube. Actually, I saw, I discovered them last year. There were two of them. You know, one where olive oil gets on the counter and says, I love the chicken at Popeye's. <laughs> and then there's another one where Brutus says, oh, you know, chicken named after Brutus. No, Popeye. And um, so those are on YouTube. Okay. So he did do a voice for that one. I Because yeah. I, I seem to remember that they had occasional commercials, but they never really had much animation or voices it was just like you know just pictures on the box but maybe those yeah. were later commercials that well you know. you know these these two commercials that i like i said i just discovered them i think late last year or early this year uh-huh. um and you know they're fully animated and it's you know as popeye and olive oil and uh, and brutus is definitely jack mercer and connie Orr is the voice of olive oil uh-huh. you know i don't know if you remember her from speed racer yeah that's where you know, i know from. The girl, she also did the voice of olive oil for the man who hated laughter oh Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I love that. I love that. When I was a kid, when I heard that the Popeye was going to be on there, I had my little tape recorder, and I taped that sucker for an hour, and I kept playing it, and when the coloring books came out, I flipped. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was great. I'll, I'll tell you my memory of it. Well, the the ABC Saturday morning movie, I love that. Superstar movie, whatever it's yep. called. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when that one came on, it, it, you know, it was just like the Yogi's Ark Lark, you know, when when you did and put all the characters together, I was in heaven. I was like, oh, my God, it's Popeye with this and that and the other and everything like that. And I, it was one of those things that I think I only saw once when I was a kid. And, so, and I was like five years old in 72. So I thought I might have dreamed it, like made it up, you know, because I wasn't sure. Because every book that ever talked about Popeye, they never talked about this weird yeah. episode where he's with, you know, 
Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon and you know, Dagwood Bumstead, whatever. You know, I don't remember all the characters of Edel Bailey and or whatever. all the superheroes that they had on that damn submarine, Popeye's the one who saved them all. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, years later, I finally found a bootleg copy, and uh-huh. I watched it, and I go, oh, wow, that is the show. <laughs> And yeah. now I still have a soft spot for it because I just remember it, but it is almost kind of dreadful, you know, especially if you've never seen it before. But well, yeah. there is there's, there's a bootleg version that's still uh, circulating out there, but I haven't enjoyed The animation was by Hal Seeger, you know, yeah. did yeah. Steal a Fly and Melt the Monster and, and, and that type of stuff. But, you know, it's, well, how old was I then, 11 or 12? I just, I just ate it up. And then when I remember I went to Framingham and we were in this, like, um, Variety type of store. Before my mother took my brother and I to the movies, I turned around and there was the coloring book. I just, oh, man, oh. man, can I buy me this coloring book, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I never saw those at the time. I have seen them since, but, you know, at, yeah. the, at the time. But I was pretty young. I wasn't trying for merchandise. I did, you know, at the time, it was just anything Popeye. So, I mean, I had... I, I remember, and I and I finally, after years, after my mom passed, I was able to reacquire these things out of her stuff. <laughs> she she had masses of junk, and you know I had to go through it. But I had a, a little plastic Popeye marionette thing. Uh, it's about a foot tall, I guess. And then a Popeye thing. You probably know about all these different things. You push the button on the bottom, and it yeah, kind of jumps up around. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And then I had a little. Yeah. <laughs> I had a little Popeye bendy figure, and then we had magnets for the refrigerator, uh-huh. and you know, just all sorts of weird Popeye thing. And then I had this Popeye baby toy, which uh, I still have, which is just like it was like just this round blue body. With little arms kind of attached, it was a weird, odd shape, and then the Popeye head on the top with the pipe and everything. And he shook it around and made that jiggly noise that kids' toys make, baby toys make. I can't even, you know. And I had that thing way back. I don't know. I was like two or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, big Popeye fan. <laughs> so I, I always say, you know, I, I don't know if you know much about me, but, you know, I've written lots about Harvey comics and things like that. And I always say that, like, Casper is my first love. No, nah, probably Popeye was really my very first love, but Casper is a close second. You know, well, What I usually collect is things that I remember having as a kid. For instance, the Jack in the Box. I remember my mom taking me to Zare's department yeah. store in Waltham and buying it for me. Or I remember my dad, you know, picking up a particular coloring book, a comic book for me. So, you know, my, my room is pretty much filled with all that stuff. You know, I have a couple of things that people have given to me from the 30s, and I'd love to get my hands on a wind-up from the 30s, but they're so expensive. And yeah. then what do I do with it? I just stick it in the corner and I stare at it because right. I don't see a touch it to play with it. It might fall apart. <laughs> right. Um, I actually managed to get a wind-up pretty recently. Uh, it's missing one of the cages, but I didn't care because I got it for under $50, so I thought oh, that was... wonderful. It was the one where he's walking with the, the Wiffle Hen cages, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's missing one of them, but if you put it the right direction, it looks fine. So. <laughs> and it, it still <laughs> operates, even though it's as old as uh, the Popeye cartoons. It's wonderful. like 90 years old or something, you know? It's like... But I said, no, I'll take it. You know, it's like usually I don't buy really old, expensive stuff, you know, but that was an exception, and so it looks nice. Well, on the I gotta, show. I'm going to give you a collecting hint. The, yes. the real um, popular character right now, and the prices are outrageous, anything with Alice the Goat. 
They yeah. made like this plush doll, I would say maybe like six or seven years ago that, you know, I got like, you know, $20 a pop. They're like 85 $100, $200 now on eBay. Wow. Um, they were like, you know, figurines of her, you know, Christmas ornament with her was like 50 60 bucks. You know, so anytime you see something with Alice the Goon that's just come out, buy it. The Mezco figure that came out several years ago, $500, $600. It's the interesting thing about those Mezco figures that, that came out in the early 2000s. They were in my KB toy yeah. for like two ninety nine, then ninety nine cents, and practically giving them away. So yeah. I bought what I could, and because I helped design the Popeye and Bluto and the white suits, the company gave me these big boxes of them, and I took what I wanted and I donated the rest of them to a children's hospice and hospitals. Mm-hmm. And I'm kicking myself in the ass. Although <laughs> it was a nice thing to do, because now when I see the prices on them, I'm like, holy crap, two three hundred dollars yeah. for these Popeye figures. I'm like, oh my god. And I had them right in the palm of my hand. <laughs> well, but there again, it was a nice thing to do. <laughs> even if they weren't valuable, that's the type of stuff I collect. I mean, I like getting just Popeye stuff. But, like, I have a wimpy hand puppet that I got somewhere along the line, uh, which has a plastic head and a, a you know, a material body, uh, you know, cloth body, whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see. And then there's, like, drinking glasses and there's one, one with Rough House. You know, and it's yeah. like, wow, roughhouse. When do they put him on anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, and then I think I mentioned the magnets. One of them is of castor oil, and it's like, you know, who knows who castor oil is? You know, it's like. Yeah, I remember they used to have those magnets in my um, local stop and shop, and I remember just you know delaying my mother from leaving by putting just quarters in the stupid thing, hoping to get a Popeye, but I get a Mr. Magoo or a Dagwood or a Blondie <laughs> or a Beetle Bailey, and I'm still waiting. But one night I went to a CVS in Belmont, Massachusetts, and they had the, um, all of them, all the Popeye ones are on a display board. So I just took my hand and I went, hmm. <laughs> them all up, you know, and I bought them all individually, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it must have been one of those crank machines, but I ended up with a Popeye, a, a Brutus, uh, an olive oil, and a castor yep. oil, and uh-huh. seems like there's one more. Oh, a sweet pea. That's right. You know. And they, they did a they did a Patch Eye the Pirate, they did Poop Deck Pappy, and they did an Alice the Goon, okay. they did Wimpy, and then they did like a couple of multiple versions of the same character. But what I thought is they had they had Popeye in his white sailor suit, how he looked in his white sailor suit, but they colored it different colors. Right. So one of them was olive oil that they gave blonde hair to. Um, but what's interesting about some of those Popeyes and the Brutus and the Wimpies is they took the designs off the model sheets that they used to make those King Features cartoons in the 60s. So that's right. Some of those model sheets, and you look at the poses, they just pulled <laughs> those character designs, and they just gave them different colors. Yep. <laughs> Easy to do. <laughs> the story on that suit i mean as far as i can t- let, let me say what i think it is and then you can correct me if i'm wrong um okay so he was always in the 
I guess, is it navy blue or black suit, the original? You know, yeah. it's obviously black and white. But, black uh, shirt, red collar, yeah, yeah. And then during World War II, he joined uh-huh. the Navy, and so that's uh-huh. when he went to the white suit, right? Yeah, and, okay. then they put him, and then they put him back in one cartoon, um, the one with his nephews, so he's trying to get him to eat spinach in oh, yeah. regular uniform. And then they put him back in the white suit every time it was Navy-oriented cartoon. But then when Famous Studios took over, they just kept him in the whites. And of course, where they went to color, they tried a, a blue suit, a couple of blue sailor suit, a couple of times. But it was mainly the white. And the story—I don't know how true this is—but the story that has been told is that it's an, easier to animate a white mass than it is a multicolored mass, which I can kind of <laughs> see. You know, especially in those TV cartoons in the '60s. You know how fast they had to crank those suckers yeah. out. I can kind of see just, just get the white and go. Well, oh, yeah, it's less paint. You don't. You only have two colors. You have the yeah. skin, the skin tone and the white hat or the white suit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, hmm. but, but then for the Hanna Barbera cartoons, the Yellow Popeye Hour, and I there again, I know people knock it, but they were they tried to be as faithful as they could mm-hmm. to the Fleischer designs, except for Popeye's hat, which was ordered by King Features to have him continue to wear the sailor's hat. Um, and even some of the stories, they try to do like little Fleischerist uh, endings, little twist endings to them. So, and Olive Oil looked like her homely self again. You know, so did Wimpy, so did Bluto, so did Cappy. So they just steered away from the 60s design and tried to go back to the 30s as much okay. as they could. So was that, that was King Features wanting that or Hanna-Barbera? No, they, I, I, well, I think Hanna-Barbera wanted that. They wanted oh, okay. that, and, you know, by, by that time, you know, even though the 60s cartoons were still being rerun on TV, you know, King Features just, you know, went along with that. You have to remember, when the man who hated laughter, he was wearing his original comic strip costume. Right. So if he was doing that in 1972, I don't think they had a problem with that in 1978, you know, <laughs> when they started the all-new Popeye hour. And, of course, as, as I mentioned before, Bluto was called Bluto again. Um, you know, he even the nephews were in there. Now, the nephews were characters that were created by Paramount Pictures. But by that time, since, you know, there was no feud about calling him Bluto again, they just said, eh, go ahead, use the nephews. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, one other place I was going to say earlier when I was mentioning the Quaker Oats, um, now, I'm not sure if you, you were aware of this one because you're on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, there's a... Uh, uh, amusement park similar to like Coney Island called Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk and for a number of years they used Popeye, Olive Oil and uh, Bluto walking around on, on the boardwalk and they used them in commercials but I don't remember if they were voiced there either. Well I actually I corresponded with one of the, um, the people there at Santa Cruz for quite a while. Um, I sent her some safety cartoon booklets that I made up and she used to use them in her little medical area mm-hmm. when the kids used to go in there for boo-boo she used to hand them to them. So, yeah, I, and I have, a, I have a photograph of um, Popeye and Brutus and all of them. I, I obviously don't remember seeing any commercial. I probably wouldn't in my area. Right. But, yeah, and, he, you know, he was also, um, for a brief time, the MGM Grand Hotel used Popeye and Betty Boop and the Wizard of Oz characters as their mascots. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I went down there one year, and it was a park, and it was just devoted to them. And um, then the following year, we went back again, and they had dissolved the family atmosphere, brought it back to the adults, but they created this huge store to sell off all the merchandise. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I remember one time I looked over the counter, and I saw all this Popeye stuff, you know, piled up on the counter, and I said to my mother, I said, who's the whack job that's buying all that stuff? She goes, well, that's me, I'm buying it off you. I said, no, you're not. So, <laughs> some of the stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> 
Um, I will say this um, the, uh, on the boardwalk commercials. There, again, there might be some on YouTube. If they're not, I actually have copies of them because in 2007, when it was the Boardwalk's 100th anniversary, they put out a 100th anniversary DVD documentary. And they, as a bonus feature, they had various commercials over the years, and they had a couple of the Popeye ones. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, so for... Post those on YouTube. I'd love to see them. <laughs> okay. Well, if they're not there, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to post them. Yeah, because I think the disc is long out of print now. So, yeah, that would be the only place you'd get it. And I don't know if they'll do another one for their 125th or something like that. It's probably already passed, but, you know. <laughs> well, I have a friend of mine in New Jersey, and he's always sending me these YouTube links of Popeye commercials down in Japan. Hmm. And it's and it's the characters and their voices are in Japanese. Sometimes it's people dressed up as the characters, but most of the time it's animation. People seem to forget Popeye is popular the world over. I mean, Italy he's known as Braccio di Fiero, and they made at least over a thousand Italian comic books with all original stories and art, and mm -hmm. very little you know American reprints. But they've been reprinting and printing Popeye comic books in Italy since 1963. In Japan, he's always been very, very popular. He's endorsed all types of products. Of course, he's known in France as Popeye Le Marin. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you go on YouTube, you can listen to the cartoons in Portuguese. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's, just, uh, he's just known the world over. And I have to say, and I just want to stick this in because his 90th anniversary is coming up in films. It bothers me that after all these years, nobody has taken the time to do like a TV special on his enduring popularity. There's been no A&E biography, mm -hmm. you know, Entertainment Tonight, whatever. Nobody has done anything. Bugs Bunny, ad nauseum. But yeah. Popeye, for some reason, somebody asked me why that is, and I said, well, you know, I think it's because Popeye's not a wise-ass rabbit. He's not a loony duck. He represents <laughs> the everyman. He's like you and I, and he fights for what's right and mm -hmm. does the right thing because you should. And yeah. it's the old saying, nice guys finish last. And although I don't think Popeye has finished last, in that regard, yeah. he has. I think people just take his success for granted, which is one of the reasons why I started writing about all the cartoons that were produced. I'm like, hey! Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we go into uh, that book, because I want to ask you questions about that book, the 60s cartoons, um... Well, there is another anniversary coming up this year, and it goes back to the comic strip, but it's the 100th anniversary of Thimble Theaters in December. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. So it's December 19th, 1919 was when, the, uh, when Thimble Theater debuted, which was a full decade before Popeye appeared in the strip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Olive Oil was a star with uh, Castor and um, him gravy. Well, they, well here, there again, there is another opportunity right. for somebody to do something. Yes. You know, hint, and, hint, hint, so, anybody who makes documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Hello, you know, if you're out there, you know, I'd be happy to help you out with material. You yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see one. I don't know if I want to make yeah, one, but I'd love it, to see one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's totally, you know, long overdue. When I see, you know, a tribute to the Flintstones, and don't get me wrong, I love the Flintstones, and I'm like, okay, and Popeye was 1929 and 1933, and we're still waiting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I agree. So let's flash forward to the 60s uh, when you uh, talked about uh, the 60s TV cartoons in your latest, that's your latest book, right? Mm-hmm. 
Now, this one I definitely wanted to grab, but there's a lot of people that don't like these cartoons, but yeah. I call those people losers. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, the reality is it's an incredible book because you kind of, well, you didn't kind of, you did. You, you, you broke it down by studio of every different studio that worked on each one. How were you able to do that? Well, they're on YouTube, thank God. All yeah, yeah. of them are on YouTube. Because uh, King Features has like a, a Popeye um, YouTube page, and they put all their TV stuff up there. But there again, you know, the reason why that came about, um, when I was five years old, I watched, I'm going to give you an example, a cartoon called Popeye and the Giant, where Brutus gives Wesley these grow pills, and he turns into this giant. Mm-hmm. Probably the, the worst animated cartoon <laughs> I ever saw. But as a five-year-old watching it, there yes. was nothing wrong with it. When I turned 14 and I saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is bad. And then I would see another one that was bad and another one that was bad. But then in between those, I would see some that were very good. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then finally it, it dawned on me, whoever was the animation director on Jack Kinney's material, that decided the quality of that particular cartoon that came out of his studio. And from what I was told, they only had a week to put together a cartoon. Wow. And you know Jerry Beck? Yes. Um, he, the wise man of animation. Good friend of mine. <laughs> he, he, you know, he, said, he said to me, he said, a lot of the people who worked on those Jack Kinney cartoons were former Disney animators. And, and they were. But when they were working for Disney, they would lay down the work, and then they'd have checkers who would polish it up. But with these King Features cartoons, there was no time to polish them up. So what you mm-hmm. see is what you got. But there again, there's a lot of junk. I'm going to admit that. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of time my local station ran a particular Popeye TV cartoon. I would just take that time to go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of good stuff, too. The ones that were done by Paramount Cartoon Studios, which had the most experience, obviously, working with Popeye because they did the theatricals. I really can't find anything wrong with them. You know, Winston Chappell's music score was still there as it was in the theatricals. Very familiar to me. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Larry Harmon ones, it's a Larry Harmon, okay? <laughs> the, the, the typical TV cartoons. Yeah. Um, the ones by Gene Dyke, some of those are very simply animated. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, eh, but some of them are very well animated. Um, there again, you ha- I always say this about those. Whenever I write about them, you can't just judge them all as a whole and say they're all crap. You have to watch each one individually yeah. and decide for yourself. And that's the main reason why I wrote that book and broke it down by studio was just, and I, you know, if you read the episode guide, I'm very, very meticulous about, you know, and in this scene, Popeye's pipe disappears for five minutes and then comes back to the end of the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of Royal Gaines and I at the bottom of her chin while she's talking, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. which is the truth. Because, you know, that, it's funny because when people have been reviewing that book, they're like, thank God, now we don't have to watch these cartoons anymore because of Fred's book. So I take that as a compliment, I guess. That's like, every review that I've read so far, it's like, oh, thank God he's done this. Now we don't have to sit and watch him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or it's either that, read the episode first and then watch. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I don't know. It's fun to watch it and then read your review. And if if uh, you say it's a really good cartoon, and then I look and I go, wow, this one was kind of a stinker. I go, okay, <laughs> I guess we beg to differ. <laughs> but, the, you know, also I have to say in the Paramount cartoons, um, they took the time to adapt uh, Seeger's uh, daily and Sunday strips and turn them into uh, five-minute cartoons. Yeah. You know, which 
which other than Goonland, I would say, for the Fleischer cartoons, they really didn't do, and obviously not in the famous studio cartoons. This was really the first time they would take a Seagar Daily strip and turn it into a five-minute cartoon, and a lot of times quite effectively. Well, isn't this, and I think you say it in the book, isn't this series the first time they used Seahag and yeah. used Roughhouse and yeah. uh, Keezo? Yeah. yeah, that's and, it. Yeah, and, they used the, and they used the Jeep much, much more. I mean, he was only yeah. in two flights, well, two and a half flights of cartoons. He made a cameo on one. Um, yeah, so they used more characters in the comic strip, but they could do that because it was produced by um, Al Brodax, who gave us Yellow Submarine, yes. um, for King Features Syndicate. So, you know, they could use the King Features characters. They, you know, whereas Paramount Pictures had a license to write to use the other characters, King Features says, you know, go ahead, you're not going to come up from our own studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the other thing I, I wanted to say in this book is that despite how you may feel about the quality of these cartoons as a whole, they were tremendously popular. They made a oh, yeah. lot of money for King Features, a lot of money for the independent stations. They ran them. And you want to know something? That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Money. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they were just so successful. They got high ratings. You know, they were on my independent television station right up until maybe 1993, 1994. And that wasn't any fault of Popeye's popularity. Is that by that time, a lot of People didn't have independent stations anymore. It was the CW or the WB yeah. or Fox, and they got rid of all these afternoon cartoon yep, shows. Yep, <laughs> Yeah, everything went to a network, and then yeah, I think that's yeah. about the time Cartoon Network started, so a lot of things yeah. went over there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you know, fortunately, Turner had the Popeye package, mm-hmm. and so he was able to continue uh, to run them. Mm-hmm. Now, also on these 60s cartoons, I know you say it in the book, but I can't remember... Even though they did these incredibly fast, uh, how long did it take to do all the cartoons in the series? Well, supposedly the, the pilots were done in either late 59 or early 60. By mid-1960, I think they had like little over 100 already in the can, and they started to air them. Mm-hmm. But they were in production until early 1962. Okay. Maybe like the first couple of months in 1962. They, actually, the last cartoon that they made was a Gene Dice cartoon, called Tooth B, or not Tooth B, when the sea hag wants to steal Poop Tick Bappy's um, teeth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Teeth! I want teeth! <laughs> <laughs> no. But there again, you know, you know, despite what people may think, as adults, yeah. when I was five years old, I ate them up. You know, yeah. I didn't care that, you know, Popeye's nose disappeared for two seconds and I came back. You right. know, it's like, it's Popeye. Who cares? Right. <laughs> Now, um, obviously, they made well over 200. I don't know the exact amount, but I mean. 220? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, why did they stop that's then? That's exhausting just to say that. You know, that's exhausting just to say that. <laughs> <laughs> now, why did they stop then? I mean, it's like, granted, 220 plus the other 240 something uh, is an incredible amount of cartoons, but I mean, mm-hmm. why did they not uh, continue after Scale 1962? <laughs> Oh, why didn't they continue after 1962? Yeah. Because they had 220 cartoons okay. in the can, where most studios at that time were doing TV cartoons like maybe 130, mm-hmm. or 156 at the most, but they wanted to do 100, 220 because they wanted to get at least close to the amount of theatrical cartoons. Oh, and really, okay. when as you said, you, you, know, you got 220 TV cartoons, 234 theatrical cartoons, a lot of stations bought both packages, so they ran them both together with their own Popeye show or a Three mm-hmm. Stooges and Popeye show. That's 
wide enough cartoons, you yeah, know, yeah. to carry you through the 1960s and early 70s. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just boils down to Popeye's popularity and why they yeah. did, did it so quickly in so many. Because, I mean, it's, it's funny now when you look back, you know, nowadays they have cartoons like I said, Simpsons, that seem to go on forever. You know, but it's amazing back in like the 1970s, there'd be cartoons that they did 13 shows. Yeah. And that's it. And they never went back to it ever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is because when they started the all-new Popeye Owl, which ran um, for five years on CBS, it was actually three years' worth of new stuff, they cranked out a little over 100 more individual Popeye episodes. Mm -hmm. So you add those to the previous ones, you know, you got like 500 cartoons mm -hmm. that are in syndication. So, <laughs> and you know, and I'll tell you, when I, when I, um, I do a lot of events where I uh, draw Popeye and I raise money for our various charities like the Veteran Services or Animal Shelters, and I'll have a little TV on the table, and I'll play a lot of the old black-and-white stuff. And, you know, this, this notion that kids don't want to watch black-and-white cartoons, that's just crap, because the kids go to the TV and they stand there and they watch the cartoon, even when their parents are trying to pull them away. <laughs> they watch there until the cartoon is finished. I never, never believe that baloney and my two arguments to that are i love lucy and the three stooges okay yep, yep. black and white never went off the air so don't give me that ridiculous argument you know right, right. <laughs> and as a kid those were the ones i saw in black and white and uh little rascals was the other thing so you yeah, know you know I'll i'm going to tell you a, a, a story i i'm sure you're familiar with the, the popeye show that the cartoon network ran in the early 2000s the anthology series yeah where yeah. they would you know talk about the cartoons and how they were made. Well, initially, that show was in production. Um, Jerry Beck had contacted me, and he said, they need money to restore the black and whites, and would you be willing to pay for it? So I had one sleepless night, and I said, okay, so I wrote him out a check the next day. So the cartoons are restored, but because the cartoons are in black and white, and the Cartoon Network had this fear of running black and white cartoons in prime time, they stick it on at one thirty in the morning on Monday morning. I remember and that. I, and, I, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> this is too good of a show. I'm not going to let this happen. So I spent a lot of money, and I put ads in film magazines and whatever was available, and I said, here's the public relations person at the Cartoon Network. If you want this show to last and have it on earlier, you've got to open your mouth. And they did. Um, it got to the point where a reporter called up the executives in the programming department of the Cartoon Network, and the woman said, oh, yes, our friend Fred, if we get letters from him laced in anthrax, we call the FBI. This is print, <laughs> mind you. My mother saw that, and she said, I want to sue them. And I said, nope, because the following paragraph said, and we are getting inundated with emails about moving the show to an earlier time period. So I said, Ma, let's just wait and see what happens. If they don't move the show to an earlier time period, it just proves they're catering to their own needs and not the public, which yeah. will prove my point. But they moved the show to 9.30, and then they moved it to 7.30, so instead of getting 13 weeks, we got three years. Mm -hmm. And they restored about 135 cartoons. Cool. And I'm very, very proud of that show because it's a real, real classy half hour. I wish uh, somebody would pick it up somewhere along the line or yeah. put it out on DVD. Yeah. But, you know, they, but my mother and I were watching that show one night, and this is the early 2000s, and we're watching a 1933 black and white cartoon, and I looked at her, I said, ah, this is like 2002, and can you believe it? At, you know, 9.30 at night, we're watching a black and white Popeye cartoon from 1933? <laughs> but that just proves the durability of yeah. those black and white, <gasps> black and white cartoons. Yeah, I know. 
you know, that that was always the weird thing. I mean, you are talking about I Dream a Genie earlier, and I'll use that as an example. You know, it's like when I was a kid in the Bay Area, San Francisco, all I never saw a black and white I Dream a Genie. I never saw a black and white Gilligan's Island. I never saw a black and white Beverly Hillbillies or Andy Griffith's show. You know, people used to rave about how funny Don Knotts was on Andy Griffith's show, and I go, He's never on there. <laughs> well, I didn't realize he's only on the black and white one. So it's like it's it's the same type of thing. And of course, thanks to DVD, I've seen all the black and white ones now. And, you know, fortunately, I buy them in black and white. I don't have to get colorized versions or anything like that. And it's like that's how I want to see them. I want to see what I missed, you know. So yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, fortunately, you know that when Nick and Knight came along, that um, that mindset changed. Yeah. And you know, they did run the black and white genies and Bewitched and yep. Gilligan's Island, Patty Duke, and whatever. Thank thank God, you know, the mindset changed. And you know, and, um, another thing that I worked very hard on for eight years was getting those Fleischer and Famous Studio black and white cartoons on DVD. That was a Oh, a project. And, you know, uh, I didn't know you untangle, worked on those. Thank you. <laughs> uh, trying to untangle that copyright mess, you know, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was fine, it was finally done. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I've never had anyone call me up and say, gee, these cartoons are on black and white. You know, Now, do you have any say-so on any of those? I know Jerry Beck says things, but uh, any say-so of them coming out on Blu-ray versus just only on DVD or no? I heard that um, Warner's isn't going to be handling Popeye's continuing the series for quite a while uh, okay. because of, you know, new people, you know, coming in, owning this, owning yeah. that, taking over that, taking over this. It's not that they haven't forgotten about it because they get public requests to do it. I think it's just a matter of sitting down and deciding that they're going to do it. You know, <laughs> I, I think people should be very grateful for what we have right now and hopefully eventually... Yeah. You know, the rest of the series will come out. You know, one of the things that I did last year, I noticed that Me TV was only running the majority of the Popeye cartoons that came out on DVD. So I contacted Neil Sabin, who, you know, putting all the cartoon shows together. I said, you know, there are about 30 or so color Popeye cartoons from the 50s that Warner Brothers has that you're not running. And he said, well, give me the titles. Mm. And then, you know, it dawned on me, well, they're only running the ones that are released on DVD. So, right. you know, I give him a lot of credit. He managed to get about 25 additional ones to run, and he's, you know, added them to the to the batch. But somebody had to tell him, hey. Right. Well, <laughs> aren't, aren't most of those 50s ones the public domain ones nowadays anyway? No, yeah. no, no. We're talking like 1950 to 1955. I think 56 and 57 all landed in the public domain. Okay. But, you know, cartoons like Beach Peach or How Green Is My Spinach. Oh, yeah. You know, those, those type of things, you know. I, I had to open my mouth and just say, you know, get them in here. Like I said, I give him a lot of credit that he did. That's why I hope when his anniversary arrives on July 14th, they mention it. <laughs> now, I know, I, know he I know he doesn't chomp on a carrot, and I know he doesn't have long ears and a bushy tail, but hey, <laughs> it's, it's Popeye is on your show. Mention yes. it. It'd be nice if MeTV would just do a special, just because they're running them anyway. You know, so. Well, you know, I'm not. You know, people have contacted me and said, you know, do you think they're going to do something like that on the anniversary? I'm saying, look, just ask them to mention it. Don't ask them for a special. Don't yeah. ask them to do an hour long. I said, we're just going to be grateful for what we can get. And I know he's yeah. gotten at least 25 to 30, or maybe more, emails about that since the beginning. Mm-hmm. of this year. I mean, that's all I personally want is just maybe flash a scene and a mention 
And that's it. Because as much as I love Tune In With Me, it's a great show. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad they're doing it. It could be renamed Bugs Bunny and Pals, and I really wouldn't have to change the format that much. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about it. (laughs) A couple more questions on the 60s. Well, one of them is a statement, but... uh, do you think, uh, as far as home video release, we'll ever see all of the 60s cartoons come out? <laughs> uh, well, I know they did one with the Paramount, some about maybe like um, eight of the Gerald Ray cartoons. Uh, there again, that's, that's up to Warner Brothers. They own yeah. them all. They own yeah. every Popeye cartoon. They own the theatricals. They own all the TVs. They yeah. own that Popeye and Son <laughs> yeah. series. Because um, I got that I don't, collect- I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's one of those things that, here again, if people really want to see them, Find out who controls that, make that decision at Warner Brothers, and yeah. shoot them with emails, and just get all your friends and family to do it. Because when the theatricals are released, Warner Brothers issued a statement saying this was the most consumer-requested product hmm. that they had ever had. Wow. <laughs> Certainly. So, there again, if you want something, you know, you gotta, you got to fight hard enough for it. It's just like yeah. the Star Trek fans who wanted various things to happen. They really banded together and pushed hard, and they got things done. Yeah. Popeye's fans have got to do the same thing. I mean, I do what I can, but I'm only one little person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I remember when uh, there was the Popeye collection, I think it was Popeye's 70th. That shows you how long ago. But it was a DVD set of the 60s cartoons by yeah, Koch. Yeah, 50th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Koch, had, yeah. And yeah. I thought, when I bought it, I thought it had all of them, all t- 220 of them. Yeah. And it's like, it didn't. And I said, oh. And then a few years later, like 10, 15 years later, uh, Warner Archives put out a yeah. collection, and I thought, oh, good, it's all the missing ones that weren't on the first one. No, there's uh-huh. overlap, and there's uh, still some missing after all that. And I was like, you know, it's like... You know, if people really want to see them, though, honestly, they're, they're all on YouTube, and what's interesting about yeah. that is they'll post, uh, King Features will post a cartoon on a Monday, and maybe by the end of the day it'll have something like 100 hits, but by the end of the week it'll have like over 1,000, by the end of the month it'll be into the millions. I, I kid you not. <laughs> For one cartoon, and it's like, yeah. you know, wow. You know, so obviously yeah. the fans are still out there. I'm sure the adults of the nostalgia are introducing their kids. I'll, I'll tell you a, a tr- very, very true story. Yeah. Um, I donate Popeye material to a hospice in California, I sent them cartoons and puzzles and dolls, and the woman tells me that Popeye acts as a strength figure to these terminally ill kids, and this is like the second time I've heard that from somebody else who I've donated material to. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know of any other cartoon character who instills that into children, which is why it's so important to keep him out there yeah. and keep him visible and keep the old material, you know, in circulation. That's why I'm very grateful for MeTV for running them and, you know, for King Features for putting them on um, YouTube and just keeping them, you know, keeping them in circulation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, last question, <laughs> and then we kind of wrap things up. Um, I'll tell you mine, and then you tell me yours. Okay, so... <laughs> um, for uh, there's a little backstory here. So for years there was one Popeye cartoon that I that just always stuck in my mind, and I just dubbed it my favorite one of all time. And I knew it was a color one, but I always thought it was a Famous Studios one. And then I found out years later it was actually one of the 1960s. 
And unfortunately, the uh, title always slips my mind, even though I did find it on Daily Motion, which is kind of like YouTube. And uh-huh. I go, that's it! That's the one! And it's like, when I saw it again, I go, oh my god, this is actually crazier than I remembered it. But uh, I know the synopsis, so you can probably tell me the title. Okay, okay it's uh, one where... Um, Olive oil's going into the kitchen to cook something, and she goes, Now, boys, I want you to keep laughing and no fighting. Oh, it only hurts when they laugh. Yeah, yes, there we was, go. That was based on a Seagar Sunday page, only they substituted Brutus for, I mean, they had Brutus in there in substitution for this nameless thug, and Seagar is on Sunday strip. So okay. that is based on a Seagar Sunday page. So, you know, I finally found this thing because I mentioned the Koch collection. Yeah. I mentioned the Warner Archives collection. It's not on either of them. And it's of course, on the Warner's one. It is on the Warner's Oh, it is? One. Okay, but they maybe the Warner's collection... They have all the Paramount cartoons on there. It's on there. Okay, yeah. okay. But maybe it was uh, before that collection came out. Maybe that's yeah, what probably. it was. But it wasn't on the Koch collection. I know that. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh-huh. so, um, you know, and so I'm looking for it. And I finally found it on Daily Motion. I watched this thing, and it's like... They're chasing each other with axes and all sorts of weird things. I say, how did this thing get on television? And it's my favorite. Wow, <laughs> you know. Well, but you, know I, you know what I like about it, and I think it's very unique, is the ending. Is usually Brutus does not take part in the Popeye song at the end. Right. You're not a riffraff if you fight and you laugh <laughs> with Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so I mean, it might be cheesily animated or whatever, but. It That's just, just struck one of the better me. animated ones. Hey, it, yeah, it just one. struck me as a very funny and memorable cartoon. It just uh-huh. stuck in my mind. So I said, this has got to be my favorite. So, okay, uh-huh. so that's my favorite. And, yes, it's in the 1960s cartoons. It is a Paramount one, though. So what okay. is your favorite, if you have one, of Popeye? Uh, it's really difficult to nail it down, but I have to say it's a Fleischer cartoon, the Twister Picture, because oh. I love it when Popeye and Blue are about to fight in a spinach can drops out of his uniform and goes, oh boy, he dropped a spinach with a break for me. (laughs) (laughs) And he eats it and, you know, he's actually winning the thing and he he shoves weeds in the can and Popeye thinks this is spinach and Popeye eats his spinach. He goes, oh, I think this stuff is cut. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I just thought, whatever they would like deviate that spinach gimmick, I thought thought it was great. Like I remember in, um, uh, um, a clean shaven man, Bluto's dragging Popeye out of it. And Popeye goes, oh, wait till I get me spinach. And Bluto goes, hey, none of that stuff. <laughs> and throws the can away. <laughs> yep, of course, yep. Popeye gets it back. But whenever that something like that happened, you know, I, I thought it was wonderful. But another, now, I have to tell you, there's that. And I have to say my second favorite is a Paramount cartoon from 1961 called County Fair. It's when Brutus and Popeye are competing farmers. And Brutus and you know, Popeye, you know, they doing various tricks to each other to um, get the prize. Mm-hmm. The last contest is a spinach eating contest, and as Wimpy says, the test to prove its strength. And so Brutus says to Popeye, Popeye, let's keep this contest fair. Of course, he throws Popeye against the wall, and Brutus grabs Popeye's spinach and looks right at the audience and says, you didn't think I was going to play fair with that run and take a chance against his spinach. Right. And he, I mean, just the fact he talks right to the audience. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Crack me up. <laughs> That's a very memorable one too. So, yeah. and and for those people out there who said, "Mark, you're weird. You don't like any. You like that better than any of the the black and white ones or anything like that." I didn't say that. I mean, I you know. know, you know, it's, you know, it's your, it's your memories, what you remember, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. growing up with, yeah. and things that just stick in your brain. So they just, you know, naturally, you know, give that a little bit 
course, yeah. to give them that little edge in your mind. Yeah. I mean, if but I, I per- if I but, it- I, per- but I personally think I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to get this out. I personally have favorites in each individual series. Yeah. Probably except Popeye and Son, which is a whole other story. <laughs> um, but th- th- yeah, that's just the way I am. Having grown up with all of them, you know, I can pick out each little favorite cartoon in right. each individual series. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah. I mean, if I have to say my favorite on uh, the Fleischer series, it's probably the color two-reeler, Sinbad the Sailor, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, because there's memorable things in that that I remember as a kid, you know, open says me and stuff like that. And just, yeah. and his yeah. so- and the songs, you know, it's really uh-huh. great, you know, so uh-huh. there you go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so I guess uh, I, we can wrap it up here. Uh, I just wanted to uh, get your impressions, and I wanted to help you to honor the 100th anniversary, which we'll repeat. Uh, it's the 100th anniversary of Popeye's debut in animation. 90th, 90th. 90th. Oh, excuse me, 90th. 90th. Don't, it, no, you said the 100th anniversary of Dimple Theater in December. That's right. It's the 90th anniversary of his debut in film. This July 14th. There we go. I got it. So on, on that Friday morning, if you watch Tune In With Me and they don't say anything, you just hop onto your little computer and say, hey, can you at least mention it next week? <laughs> Very good. And then um, uh, this is our chance, or this is your chance, so I said, to plug your books again. So uh, what books do you have about Popeye again? <laughs> Well, they're, they're all on Amazon. Um, you know, some of them are probably out of print, but I think most of them are still on Amazon. Popeye the Collectible, Popeye and Illustrated History 1994, Popeye and Illustrated History 2007, Popeye Les Marins, which, believe it or not, you can find on eBay America and in France. Mm. The Jack Mercer book is available on Amazon, and the King Features book um, is available on Amazon. And the last two were published by Bear Manor Media, and I really recommend their books. You know, they, they, they take these subjects that you think people could make a book out of, and they make a great book out of. Oh, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and what, what if any, you said you're working on a Popeye book now. Uh, can you disclose uh-huh. what it's about, the theme? Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. No, you'll find out. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you at least say when you may expect it to be done? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, can't um, say that either. <laughs> uh, no, well, I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not gonna say next year. Okay. Well, possibly next year, maybe the year after at the moment. Okay, this that's, is a, this that's is fair. A real lengthy, this is a real lengthy job I'm working on. Okay, so. and is this I one? Right. Is this one also through Bear Manor or somewhere else? Uh, yeah, it's going to be hopefully through Bam Media, yes. Very good, okay. And if people want to just get a hold of you, Fred, and ask you a Popeye question or whatever, uh, how uh, do they I, get a hold of you? I have a Facebook page, you know, it's under Fred Grandinetti, so you can just contact me through that, that's fine. All right. Well, very good. All right. And thank f- you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about Popeye. Yay. That yeah. and I Dream of Genie are my two favorite subjects. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a way to combine that. <laughs> Popeye is my master. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you notice the back cover of my uh, TV cartoon book, when I had to choose the author's photo, I chose one of myself and Barbara Eaton holding up my Genie book. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I was able to do all right well i want to thank you fred grandinetti for being my special guest today always a pleasure uh great talking about popeye and any other subjects (laughs) i dream a genie and everything else (laughs) all right and uh thank you for listening to another episode of fun ideas podcasts and we will see you next time thank you for listening and thank you fred grandinetti for being my special guest 
Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 221 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.